Hey everybody, Superfan Giovanni here. Welcome to Classic Love Line, episode 537 from October 20th, 1997, a Monday night show with guest Rick James. So this is the first and only known copy of this show. It's been missing from the archive since October 97, so we're coming up on 18 years. This is the official studio tape, so it's just been sitting there all this time. And it's the late, great Rick James making his only known appearance. Before Chappelle's show... Uh, before VH1 Behind the Music, I think they're actually in-studio taping, or this was somehow involved with that, or at least promoting it. And Rick shares some rare stories and details of his life, very honest about his drug use. Adam seems to be really enjoying this episode, and Dr. Drew as well. This is a great lost piece of history, and I'm so glad we have this show and we were able to find it. It seems unlikely there will be any other further appearances by Rick before he passed away. It's kind of a one-time-only deal. Rest in peace, Rick. As per usual, it's recorded in 1997. Some of the medical information may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Cathwood on Current Day Loveline. 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like to check out more of my work and help support my efforts, please visit SuperfanGiovanni.com. Mahalo, and get it on. The following program is a podcast1.com production. <laughs> Two. Welcome with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Would you sleep with sick women? I may be pregnant, but I'm still a man. Spank the unruly ones. It's indecent, it's vulgar, it's blasphemous. You're gonna ride you you can't stand up. Come on, come on, let's go down. All right, all right, keep your shirt on. Loveline's meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yes, phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Carolla, that is Dr. Drew, he's a board-certified physician. And listen up, Rick, he's an addiction medicine specialist, so any questions you may have about that, uh, you can fire them right away Hmm. at Drew this evening. Rick James is here tonight, he is a uh, legendary musician, he's uh, influenced many not only black performers, but, um, well, he'll, he goes from um, Luther Vandross all the way to um, Albino, to the uh, Hansons. He's, uh, he's influenced that many people, Drew. I, Drew, do you know Rick James? I do. Oh, really? Yeah. Name one Rick James song. No looking <laughs> at the bio. All I don't right. want to embarrass myself just in case I get it wrong. Okay. Super free? <laughs> hey, that's good. Okay. All right, Rick, how are you? Good, good, real good. Good. So, um, the name of the album is uh, Urban Rhapsody. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. How many is that for you? Oh, God, I can't. Um, including what? Including other productions? or? Well, let's just say just ones you've released uh, under your own name. I don't know, somewhere around 14, maybe, 15, something like that. And how many heads you had out when, you know, because I remember when, like, Super Freak and all that mm-hmm. came out in the real early 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were in New York before then, and then I guess uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo, New York. 81 is when Street Songs came out. That had Super Freak and Give It To Me Baby. And a lot of people <clears throat> seem to think that that was my first album. Right. But um, with Motown, I had had a, an album out in 78 called you, With You and I and Mary Jane, which went like triple platinum or some, something. That was my very first album with Motown. Then there was another album preceding that called Bustin' Out, which also did very well. So, in, in actuality, mo, uh, Street Songs with Super Freak 
which was the big white quote crossover album, was really like my fourth album or something like that. Yeah, it's usually about the fourth or fifth the white guys get on board, and then uh, they usually fall off around the sixth or seventh. But then (laughs) if another black guy can remake one of the songs a few on his first or second album, the white guys get back on board with that again. Like, uh, Why is that? Why is that? I don't know. We're very, we're very you know, flaky. Yeah. It's like snowflake. It's a white thing. <laughs> they never call it blacky. They call it flaky. <laughs> now, uh, uh, MC Hammer then came out and did that sort of... Uh, you can't Hammer, touch this. Can't yeah. touch this yeah. with the Super Freak uh, riff. Right. Did you get a bunch of money from that? Yeah, but, you know, when that happened, I was really down on, on a lot of rap. I, a matter of fact... Um, I had had told my people, uh, accountants and lawyers and everything, really, that I didn't want any more rappers doing, in, touching, sampling any more of my music. Right. Before the actually before MC Hammer did that, and uh, I was driving out in L.A. and um, I was riding in my car, and somebody had told me there's this rapper who uses this little guitar lick from one of your songs, and I, it kind of went through one ear and out the other. And I was driving somewhere up Mulholland, and uh, this record came on. It's this huge record, and it was on a white station. And I said, um, and then, dun, 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 dun. I said, oh, great, Super Freak's back, you know, because it really, it, it was Super Freak. And I got out of my car, and I was screaming, and I called him, I kind of, I think it was, he was in New York, and it was like 5.30 in the morning or something, I went to cussing him out. I said, I told you I didn't want this record, I told you I didn't want any more rappers doing my stuff, you know, why did y'all do this, you know, and, and he told me um, it's going to be the number one pop record in the country in, in about a week, and, and how much money I was going to make, and, I, and in the middle of my cussing him out, I said, Okay, never mind then. Okay, it's okay. Yeah, we yeah we made quite a bit of money from that. Oh, uh, see this, uh, it, it, I it, it would be my dream for someone to regurgitate a joke that I said like uh, eight years ago and make some sort of uh, some sort of rap song out of it and have me just cash in. We had George Clinton on this show. Um, it must have been six eight months ago now, wow. and uh, I love George. He makes you look like a choir boy. By the way, <laughs> George Clinton is the Funk. I mean, uh, he's the Godfather. I mean, yeah, he's, but any any way you want to use the word funk, he's got that. He's got that. Yes, he does. He's <laughs> just uh, put funk in front of his name. Yeah, and he's uh, there. But um, that's it's, You know, because music and funk to him is like a comedy, and and I mean, George is very intelligent, man. As far as like you know, that sci-fi stuff is concerned, he reads like five or six sci-fi books a day. I mean, so his look, the the colors and the, and the weaves and and the and all of that. I mean, it, that's all like. Part of George, man. He's been like that for ever since I've been on him, 20 well, years. He was saying that he was just making a ton of money off of everybody sampling his riffs Yeah. now, and he, he was in love with it. Because in a way, I mean, um, I don't know how you feel about it. I know the money's nice, but it's sort of an homage to you, isn't it? I mean, they're saying, here's the money, something a you know guy what? did that I love. The money is really fine, but I don't really think George really meant that because... Um, I mean, it's a pretty sick thing to see a rapper take a song that, for instance, that you did and really say a bunch of uh, nothing on it. Right. And it, maybe it went farther than your record did. So is it is, is the social <laughs> context that, that well, was or the musical element? You know. Or both? I don't know. I mean, I'm thankful to these rappers for using, you know, you know, while I was away and over the years. I just get offended when they start using, you know, the music and saying a lot of stuff that I, I wouldn't say or that I wouldn't play for my five-year-old. Yeah. Or, right, you know, so it's or, got or like one kids. of your riffs under it, but right. it's saying... Um, it's saying something that, t- that I totally really don't relate to. So I it mean, back tens and, so and gats and all that kind of so stuff. So it attaches you, know? you to... Hold on, a, those are guns, Drew. Okay. okay. Oh. It attaches you to, to material that you don't believe in. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Associates so I think that. there is there is musical integrity amongst yeah. us, quite as it's kept, as though yeah. one might not want to believe it. I yeah. mean, and George has it, and I have it, and uh, I mean, it's all fine and dandy the money, but we look at it like you know we're always our songs are always going to make money. Right. So I mean, the money is really not the object. There is some integrity involved, and mm. no, it's a drag to hear a song that's of yours that someone has taken or either plagiarized or sampled. And they're really saying a bunch of garbless, gribble, nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean... So, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm with you on this. And, and I think uh, that maybe in the last uh, couple of years, it seems like uh, rap music's been turning back this way. A little off... Uh, I guess uh, enough was enough. Enough people dying, enough people getting shot. It seems like mm -hmm. maybe uh, some of the mainstream guys are turning a little bit away from the gangster stuff and moving a little bit more toward uh, the, uh, I guess, old school stuff do you think that's happening i don't know gangster rap i think i don't think gangster rap is as popular right now as say it was a year ago right and i think uh the fcc is definitely getting involved with what rappers have to say and i think a lot of them i mean there are a lot of them out there that are very intelligent and very cool about their, their content lyrically what they say but then there's a lot of them. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's just a serious generation gap. But I mean, well, you think when you... I hear a record that I can't let my five-year-old play, I mean, that I can't, like, let him hear. Right. Okay? Like, when I was growing up, my mother uh, and father, the music that they played was the music that I grew up on. And I, it was always cool to listen to. I mean, I could take their albums and all that stuff. But I mean, uh, there's some stuff out there being said that's so nonsensical and it's so ridiculous that I really don't want my child to hear it. There's some words being said that I don't want them to hear. Right. And, uh, I mean, uh, music's in a bad state of affairs right now. I, I was reading an article on you, and you were saying that when you were in prison, you saw a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. A lot of bad stuff. And uh, that you didn't appreciate people singing and glorifying uh, what right. you were basically living in. Right. Well, even in Super Freak, you know, even Super Freak and a lot of those records that I wrote, I, I mean, I know the English language well enough to, and innuendos and entendres, you know, I was raised with that, you know, and um, there's ways to say things, you know, mm -hmm. that you can still get over. In the days when me and Prince were making records and George Clinton and us and we were really making records, uh, we had to really go around. I mean, we had right. to say dictionary as opposed to, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just ways to say things right. and still get your point across. And I like that kind of slick way to use the language. Right. Um, then there's a lot of rappers right now that they don't, they're not really aware of these entendres and these innuendos and a way to, to curve around words. So well, they blatantly th come right out and say a lot of things that, you know. They don't have the boundaries and the um, regulations. Exactly. And they don't have to play by the same rules exactly. that you had to play by. Exactly. And I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad. I mean, certainly a lot of them are going to the bank on it. Well, like I said, man, I'm all about writing uh, some re real songs. I mean, Super Freak was a, a fun song, and it was an honest song, and it was a stupid, ridiculous song in a lot of ways. Uh, I remember when I wrote it, it was, a very, it was the last song that I wrote on that Street Song album, and I was just playing around. Doom, doom, doom. She's a very kinky girl, and, you know, kind of miming these words, and I kind of said, well, I got to get a record for white people to dance to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys get that spastic new wave groove going. And, um, oh, you should see us have sex. <laughs> Oh, no. If it's any way like you dance, God, it's got to be funny. <laughs> no, I know some cat, white boys who throw down. I take that back. But Super Freak was a very comical kind of song, and it was meant to be that way, you know? But, I mean, there are a lot of serious songs that, I mean, I wrote. So it was Give It To Me, Baby. I mean, I think uh, everybody relates to being involved in Menage a Trois, like Super Freak. Uh, 
Well, that's uh, that's the theme of the show tonight. Baby, being too drunk and coming home to your woman trying to make love, you know, and you can't really even get it up, and you know, you want to make love and all. See, I was uh, doing such a. Uh, I was so into my um, ostrich dance while that was being played. <laughs> I didn't even hear the lyrics. I was just uh, basically. What is an ostrich dance? Well, it's a neck? white folk dance, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, before we get to the calls, uh, yeah. because this is a um, uh, topic of our show, let's talk a little about sobriety. And uh, how that's going for you. Now, uh, how long have you been out of the prison? I've been out for a little over a year. I've been out for about 14 months, maybe something well, like what that. What were you in for, two years? I was in for three years. I was in for assault and cocaine. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the story or the rumor, and I guess you've heard it a thousand times, is that uh, you and your girlfriend abducted some other woman yeah. and kept her sort of your slave. Yeah. But uh, there's nothing to great. that. No. <laughs> you know. You sure? No, no, no I'm positive. You know, okay. if it, if, let me tell you something, man. The bottom line of that rumor is that this girl came over and um, me and my girl kept her, kidnapped her and made her smoke cocaine and, and, I made, and, and, we, and made her have sex. Now... Anyone that's ever smoked cocaine or done crack knows that you can't make someone smoke crack right. or crack addict. I mean, the hardest thing is taking the pipe out of their mouths, yeah. not putting it in, which was a lie right there. This girl came over to our house, to my place, 5 in the morning. Uh, she was brought by another girl. At that time, I, I was living up in Mulholland, and I was really living in uh, recluse. And mm-hmm. I was really at a degradating state. You know, I wasn't. Uh, I brought this incredible house that Mickey Rooney used to own. And it was in this beautiful home, and it took me three months to even find out, uh, find out that I had a rose garden in the back. I stayed in my bedroom, and I got high. Um, Were you smoking? Uh, smoking, smoking, crack? Yes, yeah, that, smoking. That, that is the typical syndrome of somebody doing crack. People do crack, isolate, I totally close isolated. the windows. Yeah. Close the windows, and, aluminum and foil. Close the doors, yeah. and you eventually start seeing police out there. And well, you know officers. what? You know, you know what well, that's because they showed up at the house and arrested him. I, I never got in that paranoid state. Never got Because I certainly... I mean, I almost like wanted to die. You know, I was like doing six, seven thousand dollars worth of dope a week, and a lot of, and I had stopped hanging out with a lot of my true friends that had light to them, and they really didn't want to come out to my house because they knew they couldn't see me. For number one, I'd be locked in the bedroom. I mean, so this girl count comes up, and we had sex the first fifteen or twenty minutes that she met me, because that's what she came up for. And Did she, you know her before that? No, I didn't know her. I just met her. So she just came up to the door. She just came up. Another girl invited her. We started getting high. Next thing we were, you oh, know, okay. it was it was a sex thing. Jeez. And she stayed for a couple of weeks, and then she left. Now, what the Kathy, excuse me, the girl who brought her up didn't tell me was that the girl was like a working girl. Mm-hmm. Like a and, prostitute. Yeah, and she had a pimp, mm-hmm. his brother, whose biggest thing was torturing his women if they got out of line. So she came back up to my house. She stayed for two weeks. She left for about three days, came back up, and she was burned, pipe burns. I sent her to the doctors. She came back and stayed with me longer. And then it was it got kind of you know bad so you know she moved on. Later on, what was were you guys just walk around in your underwear for weeks and weeks and weeks? No, we just lay in the bed and just have sex and just get high. Really? And you, yeah. What'd you do like when you got hungry? Just uh, have food. My no, my maid would bring uh, food to the door. See. Now, see, I'll bet uh, this sounds like quite a life uh, to a lot of people, including myself. But it was probably pretty empty. I mean, uh, I was. This lifestyle. I mean, you, you we, must have been I, going I didn't insane. notice the empty. I felt empty because I would be staying up for weeks and days getting high. Then I would take a pill, a halcyon, or quaaludes, or whatever, 
of volume, volumes, never one or two or three, like six or seven, go to sleep for like a day or two, then get up and continue that same. Oh, you're, you're lucky to be alive. Yes, I am, yeah, and I thank really, God for that. The together. maid's lucky to be alive. Can you imagine no, that he, detail? You've really uh, come a long way. I, I, I am, Doc, and I, and, I, and I thank God every day. Yeah. But anyway, she came back, and she had burns, and we sent her to the hospital. And the next thing I know, I see her in court saying that um, I did this. Well, what I found out and what we found out, because we did bring the, the pimp, did come up in, in my court case. The jury did not believe her. I was not convicted of any of that. They didn't believe her story. Um, the girl was a strawberry. You know, she was just walking strawberry, which is a girl who do anything sexually or anything at all for, for, for drugs. Mm. A year later, I did get in a confrontation where me and my old lady and another girl were in a hotel room. I had been up again for a while. But let me just say, people get violent on stimulants. You just do. Well, this is what happened. This is what happened in, in, in this case. How many threesomes do you figure you've had oh, in your come, life, let him, Rick? Let him well, tell it's just story. curious. Well, let me, let me just finish math. how I went to okay. prison. Um, the girl who was up there involved, it was not a sexual thing at the hotel. Matter of fact, it was a business thing. This girl was a groupie, but she also worked in the industry, and I was thinking about hiring her because I was going to do a label. We got drunk, I mean, after two or three days of getting drunk and doing cocaine and, and, and drinking. Um, she, her and my old lady got in a confrontation, a physical altercation. My, now, my old lady had just tested that afternoon positive for pregnancy. So mm -hmm. I found this out, and I was, as well as being happy, I was nervous and scared. You know, because to bring a baby into the world, you know, this, with this thing going on was... All that came down on me. Her and the girl got into a confrontation. Well, I went ballistic on the girl when the girl tried to kick my old lady in the stomach. Mm. I went ballistic. I'm sorry, but I did. I jumped in her butt. I'm sorry for that today. I went to prison for that. I did time for that. And that's that's what I went to prison for. Right. But you were now you were still using when you went to prison, right? I was using up to the day that they took me to the L.A. County. I was using during trial every day, all day. Really? All night. Oh. Would, matter of fact, Were you I, I was having my day? dope dealer bringing drugs to me in court. Now I was facing three lifetimes. I was facing three lifetimes without parole. But you got to remember that back then, that's how he dealt with feelings. And, you, and then when you're, faced, exactly. when you're faced with this overwhelming thing, you're not going to stop then. That's oh, no, that, that's, that's really time yeah. to double down. Doc, you know, it was so crazy. I'd be in court, and I was snoring, falling asleep, because I hadn't gotten enough sleep. Because mm -hmm. I, I'd get... After I left court, I'd go home and get high yeah. all through the night. And then I'd take a quick shower and I'd go to court and try to look presentable. Mm. Because it never dawned on me at, one, at any time the seriousness of these charges. Yeah. It never dawned on me at any time the fact that, um, that, that I could go away for the rest of my life. It never dawned on me at any time that, uh, I mean, this was like, what I was going through this, this was all like a dream. That, that's the disease plus the drugs, though. I mean, it's denial plus the drugs. You just, you're detached. And when they found me guilty of assault of, uh, of, the, of the second girl, when, I, when, I, when they did find me guilty, I remember going to the L.A. County, and I remember sleeping for like three and a half weeks. And after that, that's when it finally, that's when my feelings finally started to straighten out. I finally got sober because I just slept straight, you know. Did they, uh, did they give you a, your own... Uh ward or something no it was nothing like that in the county matter of fact they had me on 24-hour lockdown uh because i was a celebrity they didn't want me running around in population well doesn't uh, la county have a celebrity section 
What are you hearing? What? what the, you mean with the sauna, the jacuzzi, where OJ? And no, no, uh, no, no special nothing, treatment nothing. necessarily. Maybe uh, you know, maybe the guard smuggles you in a little prosciutto or something. I learned that from Goodfellas. But what I mean with the you know Christian Slater and uh, all these other guys and OJ and everybody else getting thrown in uh, LA County, they no. they should have their own uh, war. Well, matter of fact, they they make it a point to really lock you down to the, where you don't get the privileges that another person that's there. You know, can walk around and go to lunch or something, whatever, watch TV. You don't get those privileges. You're, you're locked down. So you want, so now you're forced to go without drugs. Yeah. And are, are you going nuts? Are you climbing the walls? No. Um, matter of fact, after the three weeks that I slept off and I started to get coherent and nervous and scared because I was locked up, um, I really wasn't doing any craving for any drugs. Matter of fact, I was doing more praying on my knees than anything. And so you never did uh, go through rehab, I mean, technically? They sent me to a prison that had a uh, drug program where I would have been out in eight months, called place called CRC. It was a prison, but they have a program there for drug addicts that you go through. Mm-hmm. When you finish that program, in an eight-month period, you get out. And you, you're on parole for like a super long time, right. longer than a person who went to a regular prison would be. Right. I'm thankful to God. Uh, I went there for six months, and they took that program away from me because you can't be in that program and have an assault charge. Mm. So they excluded me from CRC prison, and they took me back to court and reinstated the five years. Oh, man. As opposed to the eight-month program. And they sent me to the worst prison uh, in this country, a place called Folsom, well, in California, the oldest and worst redneck place that they could send me. They, They sent me. And that's yeah. where I that's made a conscious one. decision not to do drugs. I mean, I didn't do any drugs when I was in CRC. Could you got drugs in prison, you think? Oh, yeah, 24-7. All really? Day. All day. Got to go down to the prison and score, Drew. <laughs> go to the park anymore. You just go to the prison. All right, we got to go to break. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, obviously talk more to Rick. We'll take some phone calls. Geez, we went through a whole uh, segment with no phone calls. Mm-hmm. Rick, you're very engaging. We uh, Most of our guests, we go to the phone call. It's... Uh, <laughs> Hi, you're here with uh, somebody from Third Rock from the Sun, and, uh, well, let's see who's on the phones. But, uh, Rick has a story to tell, and I believe it's an important one. Do you, uh, do you agree, Drew? Oh, absolutely. All right, so we'll get uh, more into uh, Rick's life and uh, not only the past but the uh, present, and we'll take some phone calls after this. I don't think they're aware of how much they suck. Hey, that's not very nice. You kiss my mother with that mouth. I mean, your mother. Love line will be right back. Are you considering buying a new computer? Are you dealing with slow PC performance? Well, then listen up, because there's a way to save hundreds of dollars and give your dying PC a second life. It's called AVG PC Tune-Up, and it's brought to you by AVG Technologies, the online security company with over 200 million active users. Here's how it works. PC Tune-Up digs deep into your computer and fixes trouble areas. It performs over 35 functions, cleaning up hidden junk from Windows apps, deleting useless and duplicate files, and optimizing programs to speed up PC startup and shutdown. And best of all, it works automatically. PC TuneUp continually monitors your PC to find problems and performance bottlenecks, and it runs routine maintenance when you're away from your PC. So when you return, it runs like it's new. The end result is a faster, cleaner, longer-lasting PC. So don't go wasting your money on a new computer. Get AVG PC TuneUp. 
Right now, AVG is giving listeners like you a 10% discount on PC tune-up. Just head over to AVG.com slash save and save 10% right now. That's AVG.com slash save. You'll save 10% and your computer will be running like new in no time. And to prove it, these folks are putting their money where their mouth is. They've got a 100% money-back guarantee. So you've got nothing to lose here. Go to AVG.com slash save. That's AVG.com slash save. Hi, this is Kristen Johnston from Third Rock from the Sun, and you're listening to Love Line with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Quite a uh, sense of humor you have there, Engineer Mike. No, we're uh, we're glad to have Kristen Johnson from uh, Third Rock on the other week. As a matter of fact, I flagged her down in a restaurant, forced her to come in after Drew prodded me. Rick James is in here tonight. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait will be in here tomorrow night with the Aquabats. Charles Fleischer, the voice of Roger Rabbit, will be in here uh, for a little um, uh, comedy challenge I uh, put out on the airwaves just the other night. And then uh, Tom Siller, hypnotist, uh, Sugar Ray will be in here. And then um, the list goes on and on. It reads like a uh, who's who of, um, of, um, uh, of who's. Okay. Rick James is uh, here tonight, the uh, legendary, uh, well, what, what do you like to be called? I mean, a rocker, funker? Or, uh, funker. <laughs> little funker. The, the funker. Uh, <laughs> the funker. Rick James yeah. is here. And uh, we were talking when we left off, and we will get some calls, but uh, this is important, and it has to do with the show, so we want to get into it. We're talking about uh, Rick's sobriety. So, uh, Rick, how long are we on drugs? God, um... Which form? I mean, I've been, I was smoking weed and drinking since, um, probably since I was 14, 13. And then I got into, uh, you know, when snorting cocaine was just like a pleasure thing to me up until 1978. I remember that drug hit the scene as a non-addictive drug, maybe psychologically addictive, which is a a term that's total BS. Right. That's what the, uh, yeah, that's, that's the BS. Yeah. Things are either addictive or they're not. Oh, this but, this uh, thing is psychologically addictive. Rick, you picked the best and worst time I used, at the same time in history to become very successful in the uh, well, music industry. Well, I don't know. Industry. I think I was lucky because had I become successful when a lot of guys that I played with, like Neil Young and all those, all those kind of people, um, they became successful a lot sooner than, than me. Right. And I surely probably would have ended up like Hendrix or blew myself out because being the addictive-natured person that I am and the extremist that I am and the volatile nature of just everything that I was doing, um, I would have blew out. I would have surely blew out in, in, the, in, in the 60s had, had I made, you know, a bunch of money. Well, you gave it a good, tr- a good run in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, well, you know, let me tell you, snorting co- in 78, and 78 is when I got my first, you know, when we really started making money, okay, the millions of dollars, the money's pouring in. And snorting cocaine was the thing. I didn't really, my demise really came. I don't really look at it like it came during 78, that, that period. I think it came the first time I stuck a, a, a pipe and started freebasing. Right. That rushed it. That certainly rushed it, Doc, you know? No, I mean, there are certain drugs that cause more severe forms of addiction. Exactly. And they, they progress, it rush it. It progresses mm-hmm. more quickly that mm-hmm. way, more rapidly. So when I started smoking it... Things the, start the consequences can be more profound. Was that the late 80s or early 90s? I, the first time I ever started smoke, I smoked coke. The first time in my life that I ever took a hit, a free base, was in Chicago during the Street Song Tour in 1981. Up to that point, I used to make albums. 
I made an album that went platinum in 12 days, mixed and mastered. I used to make albums in two months. After I started smoking cocaine, it took me a year to make one album. I mean, everything just seemed to take a long time. Right. Well, you had to have uh, all the threesomes. <laughs> I mean, when you have an orgy. Call it what you want now. <laughs> you you got to prioritize. Well, you got some money in the bank. Uh, Let's yeah. do some calls. All right. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right. Well, the point is, is uh, Rick is here now. He's uh, out uh, plugging the new CD, Urban Rhapsody. He's got something that he did with uh, Snoop Dogg that's uh, coming up. We're going to hear that later on. And um, he's, uh, he's clean, he's uh, sober, and he's a new man. We got a bunch of people that want to talk to Rick besides you. Adam. Okay, All right, but I'm go. the important one. Rick, right. who would you rather talk to? Uh, me or some a-hole Adam. stranger on the phone? I'd rather talk to you, Adam. That's right. He knows where his bread's buttered. Sean. Yes. You're 27. Yeah, um, uh, my question's for Rick. Um, I was at Folsom in 96 of January, and um, while I was there, they told me you were in um, lockdown, or you got in trouble for something. I was just wondering what you got in trouble for. Yeah, I... Um, I was signing checks, taking care of my business on the outside. They would send, my uh, lawyer would send checks for me to sign to, to carry on business. The COs would let me, right? And then I'd give the checks back to the COs in an in envelope. Are you following me? Yeah, I'm following. Well, I was doing this for about two or three months. And finally, they told me in four building that for me to be signing checks was wrong. And they locked me in. They put me in a hole for two weeks until they found out. I mean, which they knew all the time I was getting. It was just a plan. Just they just wanted to put me in a hole. Uh, so that's to, what happened. Do you have to bribe anybody or anything like that? For, for what? <laughs> I don't know. Like put a little something in the envelope so the guard looked the other way or anything. No, like that? Uh, the guard was giving me the checks to sign. <sighs> And then he was taking them, sending them out. Then he decided it was wrong. There's an, I think more prisoners ought to conduct business from their cell. <laughs> I, I really do. Hey, I didn't know I was doing anything. I, I mean, and, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I did not know I was doing anything wrong. They never told me it was wrong. Uh, the checks weren't personal. They were company checks. Yeah, you're, and, and Uncle just... Sam was getting taxes off of that uh, <laughs> commerce that you were creating. <laughs> anyway, that's what happened, man. Oh, all right, thanks. Oh, Sean, okay. what, um, yeah. what were you in for? Oh, uh, it's a, a class going to prison. What? A, a class called going to prison. Oh, you mean like uh, like scared straight or something? Uh, it's for um, people who are looking to get in the field of law enforcement and corrections huh. and all that. That's nice. So you actually are you actually are in as an inmate? No, 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 no. I wasn't in as an inmate. We just went and visited, and they said, and we were asking okay. about Rick James because right. we knew he was there. Right. Were you an old, old Were you an old Folsom? Yeah, old Folsom. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, Rick was at the uh, Johnny Cash wing, I believe. <laughs> All right, so did, did, did you come by during feeding time or anything? Or they just, uh, did they let you walk around? Yeah, we walked around. Uh, we went through most of the yards, went into the um, church and, um, you know, talked to a few of the inmates. And, and mm-hmm. Hell of a place, huh? Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not gonna, I want to be an actor now, so. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so that's the way that goes. All right, you end up in prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, Sean. All right, uh, he'll at least be on the VIP wing. Yeah. Or maybe uh, Art will imitate life, and he'll play a guard yes, in America's yes. Most Wanted. Right, there you go. All right. Uh, Samantha, you're 14. Yes. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, Adam. Samantha. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hey. How y'all doing? Good. You're doing good. Good. Um, this is more of a comment. I had called earlier, I guess about two weeks or so ago, and I am bulimic, and I have the stomach cramps. Oh, right. Um. I'm sorry to say I have not quit. Okay. But did you did you you understand the connection now though, huh? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Um 
Well, between vomiting and having a yeah. stomach pain? Right. Yes. She was not really making that. Drew had to point that out to you. Right. Yeah. Um, I do understand that. Um, I haven't quit. Well, bulimics but. don't typically stop. They just sort of contain it. It's like, it's like, it's a difficult problem. It's not like addiction that you can cold turkey your relationship with food. Right. There's reward system activation going on there that you have to sort of learn how to control. And so most bulimics do kind of continue to some extent for a long period of time. But How it, often do you throw up if you're bulimic? Every day? Once and you're bulimic. I mean... If what? You, if you're losing, if you're doing, if you have distorted body image and you're doing it to lose weight, then you per- binge also. Yeah, but how often does the average bulimic uh, throw up? Do you throw up every day? Do you throw up after every meal? Oh, sh- well, yeah, if they're into it, but they're there all the time, yeah. Samantha? Yes. How often do you throw up? <laughs> after every meal. Oh, really? And so. I'll, and I'll eat once. So, a did, have you gotten help oh, with this yet? No, I haven't. Right, go, go get help, Samantha. Really, your, your I, body was crying out for help. I can't. Um, I, I know, you know, yeah. I should, and... I, you don't want to, and I know you don't want to. Oh, no, no, it's not that. I would, but it's like, um, my mom, you know, she's the type, I told you. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know, she's the type who, that'll push problems under the rug and say, okay, you know, let's get through this. And yeah, but bulimia is very, se- very serious condition, Samantha. Yeah. Very um, serious. People die. I kind of am kind of suicidal. A little bit. I am working on that myself. Like no, there's uh, no such thing as that. Uh, Samantha, no you're you're working on your suicide and your bulimia alone. It uh, doesn't Which, seem like a good plan. The, the, those are not conditions that are manageable by yourself. They get worse. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you need I'm other people, to... and with the the level at which you're in now. You need some professional people to help yeah. you. Really do. See, you Rick, really uh, do. black people have crack, white people have bulimia. <laughs> white people got crack too, Adam. Oh, we do? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, listen to the docs, Sam. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm yeah actually, uh, oh, when we went and visited my friend who had the, um, the ankle bracelet on and couldn't leave yeah. his house. Yes. Well, that was crack. Okay. Well, I wanted to say that I listen to your show. And I hear how you guys help people, and I think that you guys should be applauded more often because I know what you're telling me is, you know, is totally true. I take it completely under consideration. Great, Samantha. I think about it every day. Great. I know I can't do this right now. All right. I'm well, really setting my goals high, you know. I'm but it's all, it's all part of being uh, having an eating disorder, that perfectionism and that dif- compensation for lack of self-worth. Get at it now before it really gets entrenched. You're 14. There's a lot of opportunity for change here. Go do it, okay? Okay. White people may have crack, but black women don't have bulimia. Do they, Drew? Yeah. Yes, they do? Adam. Yes. Is, Where have you been living for the last... No, but no. seriously, I'm going to point something out, and you're gonna. I know you're going to agree with me. What? Okay. Black men like right. a black woman with a big ass. Yeah. Right? Black men have longer... What are you saying? No. Well, they have longer arms and longer yes, other stuff. Longer but here's, eyebrows. Here's, no. my, here's my point. Okay. White women yeah. want to have a small ass. And a little point. Right. Yes. Because uh, men, white men, don't like white women with a big ass. You see what I'm saying? No. No, me neither. No. I, listen to me. But white girls are getting butts these days from somewhere. Well, that's uh, that's the treadmill or the stair step or whatever they're doing. I I would say, and I'd like to, I I bet I could the data would back me up that black women do not partake in bulimia 
and uh, Anna Rexer as white women because black true. men in the black community like is more, healthy is more, women. Yes, is more accepting yes. of a, a full-figured woman. Yes, yes. And a lot of white girls really think that uh, being like Vanna White is in and being right. really thin and little butts and little waists. Well, Sam, it's not true, darling. Eat. Yes. That's Eat, girl. Good. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the name of the next single. Tony. Yeah. You're 23. How you doing? Tony, Good. we talked to you last night. It was our last call last night. Oh, we did? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's recap. Uh, I wasn't paying attention last yeah, night. Yeah, you were. You'll remember this. Yeah, well, you'd remember me. No, I'm 23 years old. Um, I am also recovering from a substance problem, substance, substance abuse problem. Which one is your substance? Huh? Well, I was. I started doing cocaine when I was nine years old. Oh, my God. Um, I got into... Alcohol and marijuana shortly after that. I may be going out on a limb here, but when you're getting into coke at nine, I'm saying bad parenting. Right, and I was That's just going to say what I'm it, saying. It, it, no matter what he says next, it, it, anything's possible. Unless you're yeah. in uh, Hanson, it's bad parenting. No, because they're banned. They're out on the road. Tony, you can say that. Okay, yeah, so now well, so you got a lot of chaotic. That's, that's half right. Chaos in your relationships ever since. That that that's chaos right. and thrill and drama, right? I'm sorry? Chaos and thrill and drama in your relationships ever since. Right. Yeah. So I have gotten, I've had, like I told you guys last night, I've had three major relationships in my life, and I now have three kids by these three different women. And Are you involved in the kids' lives? Uh, I am now, yes. Now that I'm off of everything, I'm, I'm still, I drink a little bit now and then, and Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. But you're off of everything. Yeah, Tony, any... any well, no, I mean, I don't mean off of everything. I mean... But, Tony, any you maintain a relationship with any substance, and anything that reaches into that part of the brain that was rewarded in an addictive fashion, that was conditioned to a substance and caused compulsive behavior, any chemical that reaches that part of the brain again mm-hmm. will reactivate the disease. It may take a few months, it may even take a few years, but it will, with absolute certainty, reactivate the disease. Especially alcohol. Alcohol, pot. Alcohol loves the ticket. Sure. Sure. All right, Tony. Okay. So right. there's this one thing is get it, get in a program and get look at that really carefully. All right, but you, you're no longer uh, Tony the crackhead or Tony the alcoholic or uh, right. Tony the pothead. You're Tony the papa three times over. Right. So now you've got to start acting like it. I'm involved in two of them's lives now. One of them lives in, in Idaho, which is a long ways away from All right, me. Wh- what's your question for us? What can we do for um, you? Well, I... Going through my my substance abuse, I always was attracted to these women that were, oh, well, I call them hoochie mamas. Crazy strawberries. Strawberries. There you go. But it's that's, all that's it's right. all it's part of. One I've ever heard but it's that. still part of the chaos and thrill and avoidance of any real feelings. A part of that that well, that whole that's pursuit. What my question is my 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 problem now is I'm spending a lot of time with with my father, with my family, you know, and with my kids. And, but I don't ever have any relationships with females. Well, good. And now all of a sudden I'm feeling this feeling that I've never felt before. You know, I'm not sure what this loneliness thing is like. And it yeah, causes me it, to want to go out there and use massively sometimes. Right. You know, but I mean, you need to experience that, Tony. Loneliness is a common it's, trigger for addicts. It's a ploy. Yeah. So just the brain trying to get you back to use. Watch it. Yeah. It's a brain trying to trick you back into using. Get... get you know. Here's here's what I would wish for Tony to do is get in a program because part of the program is connecting with other people and filling that void with real relationships with other people who've been through what he's been through. 
that would help him get through this. It would also let him see the disease and the way it progresses and convince him, hopefully, that he can't maintain a relationship with any substances without evolving into more serious well, see, disease. He's got to put a moratorium on relationships. And no relationship. Right. Because he will, not be, kids. Right, he will not be gratified by those relationships. While in a program, he would have the kinds of closeness with people that he really, ultimately, if he opens himself to, will be gratifying for him, fulfilling. Rick, you have one kid? I have three. Oh, you have three? Mm-hmm. You, you can support them all. That's all we care about on this show. This, well, two of them are self-supporting. They, they do well for themselves. Oh, how old are they? Well, I have a son that's 24 and another daughter that's 26. And uh, they live in town? They uh, work? Yeah. Involved in the, uh, in the music business? No. Um, no. Uh, matter of fact, well, my, my son's an artist. He's a graphic artist. Huh. And, I mean, my oldest son is. Right. And, and, and my daughter, uh, she's, um, she's going to school studying, studying something. But I'm pretty well. I'm involved in their lives. I mean, we see a lot of each other now, whereas before we didn't see each other at all. Good. Well, it's uh, it's good that you could. Uh, I, I'm. We got to go to break. But I'm guessing you had to mend a lot of relationships after uh, what you went through and everything, prison, and whatnot. Coming back and and. Uh, I'm basically amending things within myself. You know, I don't know that that you know that make amends thing. Uh, I um. I'm close. I'm close to my family, and I do. I do have you know a strong support system. But uh, I'm 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 still making amends to the, you know tomorrow. So I gotta I'm watching out for Rick. That's uh, in the name of the next CD, by the way. My All family, right, my family understands. We will hear something uh, as promised off of uh, Urban Rhapsody, which is uh, the current CD. When we come back with Rick James on Loveline. I don't go in for these backdoor shenanigans. Shenanigans. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Shenanigans. Chips, dips, chains, whips. This is Dr. Drew for True Car. Everyone is talking about transparency these days, a word you hear a lot because people want it. So when it comes to making a big purchase, like perhaps buying a new car, you expect some transparency in the buying process. This is a process that gives you the confidence to know you're getting the fair deal, right? So you can really look at all the details. To understand the power of transparency, you need to check out TrueCar and TrueCar's mobile app. TrueCar not only can configure the car you want and how you want it, but you can see what others actually paid for the same car you're looking for. Down to the zip code, so right in your area, you see the very same car. So you know what you can expect to pay for the car you want. Pretty transparent, right? And once you decide on that car, you can lock in guaranteed savings on an average over $3,000 off MSRP. Then you're connected with a trusted TrueCar certified dealer that will honor your savings without any negotiation, no shenanigans. So when you're ready for a new, transparent car buying experience, save time, save money, and never overpay. Download the TrueCar app today. the hammer man it's the diddy diddy doctor drew about to break him off something proper yo doctor yo doctor let me hear you say it break him off something proper on love line uh. Uh, you yeah. that? rick I, uh, no rick james is our guest tonight MC, drew. one of the nice guys you were to me break him off something proper no, I could, I could. come on they true. tried to get me to say it and i couldn't on, even true. say it you can't say break him off something proper. break him off something proper all right now is do that a, pathetic do it with a little soul now that come was on. it that, oh, was, that was it as much as I've got. As if I was holding a gant to your head. No. Break That's them off. Something. 
let's say I was holding a gat to your head. It's a gat. It's a gun. Ah. And uh, I was uh, um, uh, had another one on your uh, fine young strawberry. You keep it home. Now Break them off something proper. Huh. Okay. That's the best I can do. All right, uh, Drew the Soul Man. Uh, Rick James is our guest tonight. He has himself a new CD out called Urban Rhapsody. On that CD is a song called Player's Way. He's uh, hooked up with uh, Snoop and uh, a couple other notables uh, for it, and it goes a little something like this. Player's Way from uh, Urban Rhapsody. That is uh, Rick James' latest. Private Eye record and tapes. Pretty proper, huh, Drew? Yeah. You weren't uh, here during the uh, during the lead-in, but um, MC, uh, play that thing one more time. So uh, you Rick... got the hammer, man. It's the Diddy Diddy Doctor Drew about to break him off something proper. Yo, doctor. Yo, doctor. Let me hear you say it. Break him off something proper. On love line. Uh. Rick's about to go through the roof. <laughs> Rick don't like the hammer. I uh... no, I do not. I did not say I didn't like hammer people. I I, I think MC Hammer was a, a real nice person. All right. Uh, well, Drew was saying that too, and I, I just say, uh, I just say, go with it. If he's gonna, uh, if he's gonna take your songs and make some money, and you make some money too, Fine, then that's uh, so a beautiful be it. thing. It's no. a beautiful thing. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. With it. Karen, you're 25. Yes. Hi, Doctor. Do I have a question for you? Yeah. And I'm just gonna do real quick um, history. I have always been very big chested. Um, before I got pregnant, I was a triple D. When I got pregnant, I became an H. When I had my daughter, um, I stayed in H until I lost weight. When I lost the weight, I went down to a double E, triple E. H stands for happy, by the way. <laughs> I guess that depends on how you look at it. Well, I, I, when, when women start talking about these uh, these extraordinary uh, the scale up the alphabet, Adam looks like he's listening to like a calculus lecture or something. I mean, he really gets into this. It's, <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be calculus. It's like I'm listening to a bra size <laughs> lecture. Um, yeah, I wish, I, Rick, no one has been able to explain this to me yet. What's that, Adam? Because I have a lot of magazines, and they'll say, like, triple triple Z and all this other nonsense. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, like you go from D to double D, all right? We all understand uh, double D. But I didn't know there was a triple D. And then when you say you went to H, did you have to go through uh, three, letter three. Three, three E's and, uh, three, F's and three, three F's before yeah, you got really to... I myself don't know how they got it all. All I know is I had to go have a special bar made. All right. So yeah, what, but did it have a big H on it? Well, that's what she said I was. Okay. And so, the question. Okay, my question is this. And now I've, um, when I lost the weight, I, I went down in size. Now I've gained some of the weight back, so I've gone back up in size. So my question is, I've been thinking about getting a breast reduction mm -hmm. just because they get in the way. Mm -hmm. and I, but, I, but I breastfed my daughter for two years, so mm -hmm. I want to breastfed I want to breastfeed my other children, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I want to see. I want to ask if, if I did get a breast reduction, would that interfere? Would is that somebody told me it's even worse than getting implants? Not I as mean, I understand it. it. Uh, they they it's basically taking out the fat tissue, and uh, I don't. Uh, there can be some sensitivity issues, and maybe that would bother you. But in terms of actual production, I don't believe it interferes with that. I may be wrong. Maybe if Dr. Marcel's listening, he'll uh, he'll. Mm -hmm. Because I was worried that if I lose, the, if I get the breast reduction now and I lose the weight, then it leaves ugly. Well, the, here, here's the thing: there are all kinds of um, what are called atrophic changes of the breast after pregnancy, where, where they shrivel up and things can happen. I mean, it would make sense to me that you might want to wait until you're done with the childbearing before you do the definitive procedure. 
because you may end up having to redo it depending on how things change with the subsequent children. I don't. I'm not a plastic surgeon. I don't do this on a daily basis. But I would, to me, it would make sense to wait until you're done. Shot. You know, get the get the kids, get that done, and then go and have your old your. Well, why don't you just do one and see how it works out, but leave the other in case uh, of <laughs> I tragedy. Really lost sight of that way, don't you think? <laughs> well, because <laughs> they have to take out 500 grams for surgery to um to uh pay for it. Yeah. I mean, for insurance to pay for it. Hey, Adam, can I say something? Yeah. Uh, what's your name again? Karen. Sharon. Karen. Karen. Um, I don't know anything about it other than what I've seen with women that have had large breasts that have gotten them smaller mm -hmm. because they thought that was the cool thing. And it didn't have anything to do with baby feeding or anything to do with what you're speaking of, but they just wanted like to look hip or something. And I thought they looked wonderful the way they were. And these girls have these scars. They, they spend a lot of money, and they have these scars that stay with them for like long periods of time, I think. And their men have emotional scars and, that they can... That and men have emotional no scars that they get when, e when they... ever get rid of. <laughs> when they look at them. So just think about it, Karen. Hey, I'm with Rick on this one. I'm with Dr. One. Drew on this. Wait a minute. Give us some thought. Oh, yeah. Okay, then we're all together. Thought, Adam. That's no, all. I'm there. It is to find clothes. I mean, if somebody sits me on the bottom, I can't even buy dresses. A, a lot, they won't fit me on the top. Right. A lot of women are very happy when they get this procedure done. And you and you, it does sound like you eventually you're going to have a problem with back and neck and whatnot. And so there will be medical reasons to have this. But... In terms of the child rearing, in terms of the kinds of things that can go on postpartum, uh, I, I would think they'd want you to wait before you. I, I don't know. But it's, consult with a plastic surgeon and see what they tell you. All right. Then just have the kids first. That's, That's what, what I would say. say. That's what I would say, too. And besides, if your breasts are going up and down and up and down because you're popping out kids, right. then uh, why have surgery on something that's fluctuating that exactly. much? Exactly. And it could, it could require a redo. Boy, this is uh, one of the best arguments you've ever made against uh, breast reduction, Drew. I like this. Yeah. All right, and Rick, you're a breast man. I can see that. Totally, totally. Oh, right. I, have to have, I have to have them in my life. Good. When we come back, uh, Rick and I are going to wrap down about breasts for about 45 minutes, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if we can work in a call. I began to float up and wave in my body. Uh, lady, you better get back float. here. If you're not here when Love Line float. returns, they're going to be pissed. Float. Break them off something proper. Float. All right, here's a question for you. Would you listen to a podcast featuring a comedian and a magician? Nope. Of course not. Nobody would. That's why we locked that comedian and magician in a room with a burlesque queen. Yes! Because we're pretty sure, even if it's awkwardly horrible, it's going to be funny. I'm Fraser Smith. And I'm Jim Bentley. And our co-host, Harper Rose. We might take comedy seriously, yeah. folks, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And, of course, there's nothing funnier than a good dose of low self-esteem. We're idiots. Yes, we are. You see? That's funny. astute <laughs> observation has led to laughter. I invite you to laugh with us as we bring you the Fraser and Bentley podcast. Every Wednesday, only on Podcast One. That's podcastone.com. Ah, that would be way sexier if you could actually see her. Bring on the fun bags. Yay! Hey, it's... Love line. Rick James is here tonight. I want to thank Diamond Limo for dragging Rick James here tonight. And um, we'll get into a whole bunch of interest. Eh, I got to drink more coffee. We'll get into some good stuff in 10 seconds. This is Love Line on Radio Station.
It is Loveline. I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Drew. He is Rick James. He is our guest tonight. Phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. Urban Rhapsody is the name of the CD. And uh, before we get into a large brass conversation, which I was not kidding about having with uh, Rick James, um, VH1 is here tonight. They brought their camera crew, and they're doing a... Um, they do these... Uh, Profiles. Oh, what the hell they call it? Camera guy. What the hell those things called? Stories behind the music. Stories behind the music. Mm. Right. I saw Millie Vanilli uh, like uh, two weeks ago. It's uh-huh. good, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I can't get enough of that crap. And it, it has uh, nothing to do with whether I like the band or not. Just uh, great human stories. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know why, but they all basically have um, the same theme, which is. Um, it, it's I'm okay. You're okay. You cannot deny this theme. No, <laughs> they go. They go. The guys go from nothing yeah. to top of the world yeah. to uh, prison or suicide <laughs> oh, to. Well, wait a minute. Come on. Am I wrong here? Go on. <laughs> to uh, to uh, back now. Uh, usually finding Jesus, but I don't think you found Jesus, did you, Rick? I found Jesus a long time ago. Okay, but you were ignoring Jesus before. Yeah, yeah. Right, now you found and him. Buddha and Buddha. Yeah. You're yeah. hanging with Jesus now. I'm hanging with every. I'm hanging with them all now. Before, you just uh, kept them locked out of your place state just, while you are yeah, smoking crack. Yeah, just a cross hanging around my neck. Right. Didn't mean anything. Didn't mean nothing. Now it means something to you. Well, I mean, it always did, really. I mean, but, you, you know, when you're doing getting high every day, I mean, you know, it's not really Jesus you're hanging out with, I don't think. Or No, it's, uh, it's more it's, or less uh, shaitan or, you know, crack Louis horse. Cipher and, and the devil's head or something. Right. So, um, so anyway, they go from nothing to top of the world to tragedy to back on track again. Usually they catch them right when they're coming back up again, uh, making a making a comeback. Yeah. And uh, that's basically where they've uh, caught Rick James. Making a comeback. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to sound condescending by making a comeback. It's but all I right, mean, Adam. Anytime right, you've been Adam. in prison for a couple of years and you get out, that's got to be some kind of comeback, right? Uh, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would say so. Right. Yeah. So you're out now. You're touring, yeah. selling CDs, doing yeah. the circuit, yeah. and uh, giving a little something back to the community, which yeah. is uh, something we were talking about during during the commercial break, Rick was telling us about his uh, brother who was in all kinds of trouble in prison and whatnot and has now got himself a couple of degrees and is getting into um, rehab and and, Mm -hmm. um, getting into helping others. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. tell us a little about that and what your plans are. Well, basically, you know, you pretty well said it all. I mean, we're on tour. I want to give something back. You know, we're we're on tour. We're going to be setting up a lot of lectures and stuff in schools where I get a chance to talk to... uh, to talk to kids in high schools and whatever about, you know, addiction and, you know, what that drug's all about. A lot of people talk about it, you know, and a lot of people really think they know. But to me, I mean, I mean, Drew knows, Dr. Drew, I mean, he's been there with a lot of addicts. So, I mean, I, I give him a little more than I give, give, give others when they start talking about addiction. But a lot of these kids want to hear from someone who's been there, you know. They want to look at you in the face and they want to feel the pain and because they're mothers and fathers especially black children, which is what I'm really interested in. Um, people in uh, people in my race, children right now, I mean, there's genocide being created right now in black homes. There's no fathers. Most of the father figures of black families locked them in prison or they're strung out on dope and the mothers. So these kids are raising themselves, virtually raising themselves in, in ghettos all across America. 
And uh, their father's on crack, the mother's on crack, or the mother's in prison, father's in prison, and they're out there alone, and they're doing drugs, man. And they're 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 they're, they're very uh, they're not like kids that live in the suburbs where they can go to Betty Ford Clinic or anywhere. I mean, they have to deal with this addiction, and they don't know about halfway houses or safe houses or or or, or rehabilitation clinics. So my whole thing is to uh, hopefully in the future when my brother gets his other um, when he gets his paper together, we're going to do some uh, some uh, uh, hopefully uh, in the future rehab, but like Dr. Drew was saying, some places that just give knowledge about what the drug's about mm-hmm. and teach them about the addiction, the affliction that they're going through. And on the road, uh, while we're on tour, I want to be able to you know, do some lecturing to, to kids in school about this addiction and uh, tell them that, yeah, you know, y'all smoking grass and you think that's cool and having a little drink and doing a little cocaine. Well, that's not cool. Let me tell you why and where it'll take you if you keep it up. That's a good message. Drew, uh, you're behind that message 150%, 100%. are you not? Yeah, I I totally agree. I think uh, see most of them out there, Adam, don't know, man. They don't know that they're addicts. They don't know they have a problem. Well, here's what well, you're saying. they may not know they're gonna have a problem. Well, they in don't a year know they have one. A lot of them go out and do shots. Man, I see kids going bars and they're shooting down vodkas like there's no tomorrow. They're shooting them down and then they're going doing coke, and then they're wondering why you know they're not keeping their job or why they dropped out of school or why they don't have a relationship with a person or why they're 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 they're, they're you know they're going off on people or they're volatile their personalities and. You know, they don't understand it, man, but there's a reason for all of that. You know, there's a reason. Well, it it, uh, seems to me that uh, the government puts a lot of money into the enforcement, but uh, that's kind of where they end. The government also turns their back on the the whole drug scam, too. It's like they want to keep kids, and they want to keep you on stuck on stupid. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that they have that. There's some sort of evil conspiracy. I just think they're going about it in an ass backwards kind of way. Evil conspiracy. I mean, you know, you you could sit there and say you don't think there's an evil conspiracy, but there's cartels. I mean, they pay Colombia. They pay people in other countries to grow drugs. I mean, you got opium being paid to grow by the United States. You got cocoa plants being supported by the United States. You got these cartels and every. They're in, you know, all this is in cahoots. You know, you got these people right in the ghettos, man, selling a uh, crack. I mean, black folks don't make crack. I mean, white folks don't in, in, in suburbia don't make crack. Where is this crack coming from? Why is, you know, there was a kid arrested across the street from Washington in the White House making three, dollars $400,000 a week selling crack. Really? I don't know. Yeah, that's yes, bad. That true story. True story. True All right. Story. Well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I think the government it, does turn their back on, on well, addiction. Oh, they do, yeah. If there is um, money to be made... There's going to be an element that's always going to be involved with that. It's uh, in law enforcement. You know, look back as as far as you want to turn back the pages of history. Particularly when it applies, interestingly, to prohibition. That's when that's when that element is able to take full advantage. Right. That's that's why I am. uh, I know I have mixed feelings about the whole prohibition of the whole Harrison Act and the prohibition of substances. Like as if it was planned or something for the mm, for the rich to get richer. Mm, it's more that <laughs> it just doesn't. If you look if you look at it scientifically, it just tends not to pencil. It tends yeah. not to work, and it tends to create a black market and take advantage of people that are least able to tolerate people taking advantage well, of them. Well, all right. Here's here's my thinking. I don't think that all cops are corrupt, and I don't think that all of CIA is corrupt. But there's a percentage of people that are uh, making the rules in law enforcement, in the CIA, that for enough money yeah. are going to turn their head the other way exactly. and even going to do, do some uh, unscrupulous business. And it's that way with every business. I mean, you, you know what I mean? You can buy out a certain element of uh, any business. Cops, I don't know what the percentage is, but if you come up with enough money, even guys who put a badge on every day are going to turn into criminals yeah. if you pay them twice what they're making uh, each year. Well, you don't have just... 
poor people strung out on drugs. I mean, you got mayors. I mean, in 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 my drug uh, days or in my involvement with drugs, I know I've sat and gotten high with mayors and congressmen and sorry, doctor, but doctors and lawyers and all you know, all kind of people. I mean, we they whipped out pipes and rocks and and they've gotten high and um, I've gotten high with them. So it's it's not just an element that's going, but. What scares me is what's you didn't, happening. You never smoke out with Sam Yorty, did you? <laughs> no, Adam. No. But, okay. What What gets me is just right now looking at, at at the ghettos and looking across America, and watching the sales of drugs go down on every corner in black communities. And cocaine <clears throat> is easier to get now than it ever was in the history of life. Remember when it, there was a time when cocaine was hard to get. That's right. There was a time when you had to call three or four people. To get cocaine. Right now, you can go and buy rocks, the most devastating drug in existence, the most quickly addictive drug there is. Right. You can buy it right to me. You can walk out your house and buy it, you know, right around the corner. And I think it's a lot cheaper now than it uh, was uh, back then, uh, as yes. well. Yeah. Because it used to be like, uh, I don't know, 110, 120 bucks a gram or something like what were that. You at? What? <laughs> what were you getting? How much were you paying? Well, I don't, you know, I'm saying, we might have had the same dealer or something, the way you're talking here. $110. I know how much uh, these drugs were. I, was, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, living up on a mansion and, uh, you know, um, uh, taking, taking women in bedrooms and living in a bathrobe like well, you or going have, down to the... We all can't be so unlucky. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I certainly had enough friends that did this stuff. As a matter of fact, I was the only one who didn't do it uh, to the degree that I was always in charge of hiding it. <laughs> When they uh, did too much. You know, people get weird when yeah, they get a big they, sack and of drugs. Yeah, and you're always the first one's going to get beat up, too, when you don't get it when they want. Right, because they tell you, they pour themselves out enough to, that they think it's going to hold them over for, like, three days. But they do it in, like, ten minutes. Right. So they pour down enough to hold them over for, like, three days, like, you know, five eight balls. And they go, okay, man, yeah, listen, <laughs> you're sane. Now, here's your job. Take this sack oh, yeah. and hide it. Yeah. And I don't care uh, how much I beg and how much I plead or how much I threaten you. You hide this sack of blow and you don't give it to me for at least a week because this is the stuff we're selling. See, this is the amount we can do. This is like the profit. The rest we got to sell. So I'd go uh, hide it and then, uh, you know, be like, <laughs> okay, where's Adam? <laughs> we need more. Then a big fight would break out in the apartment. And, uh, oh, those were, the, those were the glory days. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I agree with you. I think the government does uh, too much to try to enforce uh, the laws that don't really work and not enough to get people educated and get people off the stuff and yep. do the halfway houses. And it's sad that it's uh, up to um, individuals to you know, have to do what, this. What, what, but really, ultimately, what, what really tricked me out was when I was in prison, the availability and all the drugs that were in prison. Man, you could get anything in prison. It was like, you know, anything. I mean, heroin, black tar, China white. Rocks, cocaine, powder, speed, weed, I mean, anything, anything. And it was, it was readily available to you. And the, and the guards knew it. And a, a lot of them would tell me in privacy, well, Rick, you know, hey, we know this is going on, but, you know, we like to keep the prisoners sedated. That's all we all know. You know, they're all having a good time and there's no riots and right. know, everybody's happy, which is really a, you know, stupid uh, uh, analogy of, of a really funky situation. Well, it's uh, like I, I mean, said, really you, if there's money involved, you can buy out uh, a certain element no matter what. And, uh, you know, guards are probably making 35, 45 grand Some a year. Some of them are making money with it, yeah. So uh, I'm saying their base salary is you know 40 grand a year. Mm -hmm. So if they can uh, double that, no, they actually well they actually get paid more than cops walking the street, the beat. Oh really? Yes, they do. Yeah, but they ain't, they ain't, they're not moguls. They're not uh, no. flying uh, helicopters like MC Hammer. No, no, no. Casey. What? 
<laughs> all right, I'm hanging up on you now because I don't, I don't like your. All right, well, I'm just got to put you on hold for a minute for a quick attitude adjustment. Tough love. That's what we do here, Rick. I want you to preach that when you go out. Okay, I remember don't, that. Don't, Tough love. Don't beg the kids to uh, get off the drugs and the crack and the whatnot. To tell them you're, you're going to give them a big ass kicking. Well, no, do yeah, it. the scared straight uh, concept. I, I like that. Yeah, worked on me. I remember seeing that uh, when I was in junior high. Mark. Hey. Hey, you're 31. Yep. What's going on? You're on with Rick James. Hey. Um, yeah. Um... I was at a party um, Saturday night and sitting around with my girlfriend and a bunch of friends. And um, she, this guy walks into the apartment and <clears throat> my girlfriend goes over to him and starts making out with her. Uh, the guy walks in and the, your girlfriend goes over and starts making out with her. Yeah. With her. Right in front of my face. Starts making out with him, yeah. right? Because it's a guy, right? Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. And um, do you know this guy? Um, met him the first time that night. How'd you react? Huh? How did you react? Um, I didn't know how to react. I was just, like, dumbfounded. How long has she been your girlfriend? Um, two months or three months. Was she loaded? She on drugs? Um, yeah, just drinking beers and stuff. Right. Well, it's no relationship, was there? Not what you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so well, what's your question? Did you break up with her? Um, no, sh but should I? Rick would have kidnapped her and start a, had, a, had a harem going, right? Don't, don't start at all. Okay. No, uh, no, no, man. We, yeah, you're done. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's over, man. Well, she's she's yeah. giving you a pretty loud uh, That's message. That's a pretty strong signal yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That's even better than uh, actually walking up to you and breaking up. That is. Uh, it's more cowardly. Well, it's well, it's it's bolder but more cowardly. It's breaking up by example. It's dramatic. It's, it's dramatic. Well, it's, it's not really a verbal breakup. It's almost a, a physical breakup. Yeah. All right. But um. So what's your? What do you want to know? I mean. I mean, no, like I still love her and stuff, and. In a two-month relationship, you don't love anybody. You can be a fat. What's your name? Matt. Mark. You, like, you like pain, huh? Huh? <laughs> you like pain? Yep. I see. What's up with you, Mark? You working? He likes paying yes, at him. I do. You, uh, you drinking? Um, a little. Yeah? That is her. Right, she's an alcoholic? Yeah. Okay, and, uh, w how old is she? Um, 44. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing she's got a little bit of a history going, right? Um, yeah, for what I heard from, like, her family and stuff. Okay, so don't you think you can do a little better in Maybe, that, Mark? I think it excites him, Adam. I think, do you find excitement in that? In, that she's an older woman and... Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of exciting to you, right? Yeah. And you like the danger element. Yeah. The danger you might get crabs. Well, he's also severe codependent. So. Yeah. Well, you know her next move, she's going to tie you up. You know that, right? <laughs> I no. So. I mean, what if she has to tie you up and stuff? Are you into that? Yeah. Okay, well, you're in the right place. and so stay with her. Be happy. Was your mom an alcoholic? Um, no, my father was. Father was. Okay. So, so you see you seek that kind of thing out. So, yeah. Uh, take a look at that. All right, Mark. Stay out of relationships for a few days. Yeah, really. All right, get, All right, get sober, would you? Yep. Okay. He's, he's, I'm not sure he's an addict, but he's... Uh, uh, I think he is because um, uh, Rick just called uh, Mark Matt, and he just uh, went right along with it. So uh. <laughs> He went back and forth between Mark and Matt. One of them was his real name, one was his made-up name. All right, but even if you make a name up, you still have to be um, a little bit tipsy not to be able to figure out which name you made up. And, don't, and by the way, if you're calling the show, uh, don't pick a name close to your own. Like, you know, I'm Adam. I wouldn't call in as Alan. It would be confusing to me. I call Moisha. in as, like, Frederick. Moisha. Moisha. Yeah. Good Yiddish name. 
Herschel's on line five. Uh, Casey? Yes. All right, so your attitude's uh, been adjusted. Yes. You're... It won't surprise me. I've been on hold for a long, long time. All right. You're 21. You're on with Rick James. What's going on? Okay. I have a boyfriend that's 17, and I'm 21. And um, we've been going out for a while, about eight months. And the problem is he's my brother's best friend. My brother found out about it about three months into the thing. So my brother took it okay. But the problem is my parents live out of state, and my brother lives with them. They just moved there. So we're, me and my boyfriend are going to go visit. He's going to visit his best friend, and I'm going to visit my family. Anyways, we want to know how to tell our parents or if we should. Mm. I mean, because it's kind of awkward. We're going to be flying up there, and, right. like, we're going to be, you know, like, when if he goes to kiss me or something, and then, like, I'll be paranoid that my mom's going to walk in or something. So you're, so, going, you're going together under the guise of he's going to visit your brother, and yeah, you're going to visit your parents. Yeah, my brother and him, we always hung out. We're, like, really close friends. Uh -huh. We've known each other since we were, like, little kids. Mm. So you're going to be sleeping in the same house? Yeah, probably in the same room, but not all together, you know? Uh-huh. We'll probably be partying the whole time, so, uh -huh. you know. And my parents won't, like, think anything, but well, well, you know, you're I don't want it out in the open. Well, what are you worried about? You're 21 years old. You, I know, you right? live away from home, right? Yeah. So if you're worried about his age? Yeah, and that he's a family friend. See, it's just it's a little too in, it's incestuous a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's just gonna, weird. It's, a, it's, a, it's awkward to, yeah. to, yeah, to but change the quality of the relationships that have always been a certain way ever since childhood. Now the parents have to look at these two people as adults. Well, I wouldn't tell them anything, but I think they're going to get caught having sex. No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Um, you're going to get drunk one night. Uh, uh -huh. You'll be there for a few days. We're going to be there for two weeks. Oh, please. You're going to be having uh, sex in the living room after three days. Please. Here's what's going to happen. They go three or four days without sex. Then they go out, but they're really horny for each other. Then they go out one night, and they really tie one on, and they come back. Mm -hmm. And you know what it is? When you're, when you're drunk, you talk about uh, 8,000 decibels louder than you normally would, but you don't think anyone else can hear. I, I, it's like your ears close down, like you're in an airplane or something. And, you, you know, because you hear drunk people come down, shut up, not quiet, quiet, you're going to wake everybody, up. you know, they're, they're yelling. And you're going to start having sex, and it's not going to be too loud, but he's going he's gonna to lose his equilibrium a little, yeah. and he's going to reach for something to yeah. steady himself. Yeah. It's going to be the drapery. A little bit. He's going to yank the entire curtain and rod down and, and pull it, knocking a vase and lamp off a nightstand and make a huge commotion. And he's young, so he's going to scream when he has that orgasm. <laughs> yeah, he's going to vibrate. The parents are going to come rushing in the room and just see his, uh, his ass. Okay. Th that's all, and your feet pointing up toward the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And uh, your mom will uh, vomit spontaneously. Pops grabs the shotgun. Dad will grab the shotgun. Grab the first shotgun. round is uh, rock salt, so he'll have that first much round. time, that much time to get out of the house, and he'll end up uh, walking back mm -hmm. to uh, wherever you're calling from. Okay, wonderful. Okay. But should I tell them or not? That's the whole thing. No, I think that's screw with them. I think she should. You think she? I you're think right, she's right at the time. Twenty-one years old. She should tell them. Learn honesty. I think honesty is really important, man. Yeah, but then they'll be all weird and make me sleep on the couch and all. I mean, they're like, going to be you know, even weirder when they when they bust you. They're going to figure it out anyway. They're going to they're going to see. They the probably difference. got to figure it out already. Yeah. You know, your brother probably already told. Yeah, I agree. No, no, he is. I, I agree. Things on my brother. He's not saying anything. Nah. Okay. Believe me, mom. When mom comes into the room to uh, put the Murphy bed back up or do whatever it is she does, she's going to smell. Well, Mom can smell well, sex. She sees the sheets. Yeah, she's going to see the sheets yeah. and she's going to know what's going on. 
All right. All right? Okay. Yeah. Thank I you. say tell. Sometimes mom... Because you uh, can't hide it. My mom would come in the room and use a black light to check for sperm on the sheet. Do you know that technique, bro? <laughs> the woods light? <laughs> yes. The, and, like hippie lights. Thing. Right, yeah. Just hold that black light right over a white sheet and the uh, sperm will actually glow. But you see everything else there, too. I mean, you see whatever. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like what they use in forensic labs, Drew. And after a while, I got hip to it and started uh, actually uh, putting her initials uh, right there. I'm <laughs> just seeing if I can discuss, Drew. Enough. Uh, Rick, you don't mind this kind of conversation, do you? I think it's real. I mean, it's honest. She's being honest, Adam. Vent. Vent. Yeah. <laughs> Vent, Adam. No. Yeah. My mom had a black light, but it was right underneath the Jimi Hendrix poster while the bong was going around the room. So she never, uh, never did pull it off the wall. Yeah. All right, uh, Rick James is still here. Urban Rhapsody is still the name of the CD. We're going to hear something else off of that before the night is through, and uh, we'll be back. Drew, why don't you sell the hell out of the next call? Well, next is somebody that's waiting for a while and wanted to say hi to Lee, to, uh, to uh, Rick. Oh, Lee wanted to say hi to Rick. So let's just let, let, him, let her do that. Or he? Is it Lee? He or she? Uh, she. Tr- oh, true. She. Is that selling? Lee. Is that selling a call? I can't sell I'm big with Lee. When are you going to learn that? All right, but I'm, I'm trying to get you to improve. No. No. All right, when we come back... Uh, uh, Lee or um, Lee? Lee, I'll have a, 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 a question with Lee. Okay, bye. Why don't you try rapping it this time? Yo, yo, kick some flavor and stop and love and line. I'll be right back in a minute. I'm sorry, that was really bad. You're just not straight like me. It's Mark Schler. Now, if you don't know who I am, I've been a broadcaster for ESPN for the last 15 years. Before that, my former life, I was a football player. 12 years, multiple Pro Bowls, three world championship rings, and 29 different surgeries. And I want to invite you to listen to my brand new podcast where we focus on the NFL through my eyes. All opinions are mine, and all of my opinions should be adopted by you immediately so you sound smart in front of your buddies. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. You can get it at iTunes, or you can go to my homepage at podcastone.com. Hi, this is Chad Smith. And this is a Dave Navarro. We're from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you're listening to Loveline with... Dr. Drew. And Adam. Corolla. Yes, you are. Rick James is our guest tonight. Phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Urban Rhapsody is the name of uh, Rick's latest CD. I'm trying to think uh, where we are and where Rick's going to be. Rick's uh, going out on tour. I have some dates here. You're going to be in New Orleans on the uh, 24th. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the one city on that list we're not in. Oh, it isn't? Yeah. Uh, Drew, uh, I don't know where we're on exactly, so... uh, all I'm the world's right. worst radio host, yes, but yes. you don't have to go back and read the dates past uh, earlier than today's date because uh, that would be kind okay. of redundant. Uh, so. Washington, November 2nd, Richmond, Virginia, November 6th, uh, Las Vegas, November 14th, Palm Springs, November 15th, San Diego, November 15th. We're not 18th. on in Palm Springs, are we? I don't know. Uh, some, some parts of it. I would think uh, so. Oakland, November 21st, Sacramento, November 22nd. There's uh, there's no worse radio than when uh, I claim we're not on somewhere and the people... <laughs> from that place, uh, who think the show uh, originated in their studio, are uh, driving into the uh, center, lane, uh, into oncoming traffic now. All right, so uh, that's it, huh, Drew? Yeah. Okay, and uh, you will be out there. Now, how many uh, how many members in the band now, Rick? Uh, Thirteen. 
Um, the band consists of 13, three horns. Oh, uh, that's good. Three background singers, including um, uh, who will also be appearing with us, JoJo from the Mary Jane Girls. Um, she's on the road with us. Now you so are- for all you people out there who like... Or who uh, love the Mary Jane girls, you can get a chance to come to the concert and see Joe, who you produced at some point. Yeah, right? I did. I did. Um, I actually did three albums on them. Uh, one album is still in the can, and two albums were released. Yeah. Is the one that's in the can not going to be released? The one that's in the can, I, I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I, I need to really just sit down and and decide what I'm going to do with that. I mean, you got to go back into prison so you can get some work done. Right? <laughs> Well, you know, we plan on doing an album on Joe after the tour. We plan on doing JoJo's solo album um, after the tour, probably somewhere in March or so. So, um, And why, uh, I mean, um, you could stay busy producing for for the rest of your life, couldn't you? That probably could. And uh, you just want to get back out and perform? I just, I want to get out, Adam. I want to get out and I want to tour. Uh, It's nice... Touring now is nice. You know, back with the Stone City Band. I'm back with, uh, it's like family. Mm-hmm. And I get a chance to see the, you know, I'm getting a chance to see America. I mean, God knows, I've toured for like 20 years all over, and I can't remember one city from the next, you know, because I was always so high, and I was always so, you know, every stage was the same in every city. I didn't really film, take pictures, and, and do things that people do, you know, when, they, when, when they're touring. Now, I'm, you know, I'm seeing things, and I'm, I'm actually enjoying working again. What you know? was the hardest city to get drugs in? The, uh, the hardest city? When I was touring? Yeah. I'm thinking about moving say, No, I have to say, no, that's a hell of a question because there, there is a city that comes to my mind where we just couldn't find any drugs. It, it, all they had was glue. Uh, <laughs> and we walk out on stage and everybody had a plastic bag over their face in the audience. Oh, I, my God. Yeah, it was incredible, man. And, and, and I was not into glue. I mean, God knows I've done a lot of drugs, but putting a, a glue in a bag and putting it over my face and, like, I never did that. I mean, I just don't find... That's not very sexual to me, you know what I'm saying? No, you, you might as well just uh, go, uh, you know, suck on a rag uh, doused with paint thinner or That's something. That's what I'm that saying, point. Adam. That was my thoughts, Adam. Hit, your, hit yourself in San the head Antonio, with a hammer. San Antonio, Texas. That's the place. That was the place. All right, so that's the place uh, on uh, Rick James' toughest place to score drugs that's uh, right. map would be uh, right. a prison. But Easier I hear to get drugs in San Jose? I mean, San, uh, San Antonio? Easier to get drugs in prison than in San Antonio, <laughs> Texas. At 15 years ago, I, I, I heard it's changed. I, I, I have heard it's changed to the grapevine. I, I'm telling you, that would be on um, the um, the um, but you gotta, Rotary Club sign as you but, enter but San you know Antonio. What? No, but but you know what? 15 years ago, Doc, and you could probably testify this, 15, 16, 17 years ago, you couldn't get crack on every street corner. No. It was just starting. Yeah. To, it was just kind of starting yeah. to happen. Now, crack is everywhere. I'm sure San Antonio, you can go out in any corner and buy uh and buy dope and buy cocaine. All right, but at least they didn't have the head start <laughs> that the no. other urban uh, centers have had. No. Uh, I'm telling you, it would be, I'd put a big sign up. Uh, Rick James uh, says San Antonio. You know how they have the uh, cleanest cities or right. most prosperous cities? Mine be uh, Rick James says uh, hardest time scoring here. Yeah. That'd be a big draw. I'm sure. Lee, you're 32. Hi, it's Lena. Oh, okay, Lena. Hi, Dr. Hyde. I'm hi, Rick. How you doing, baby? Fine. I just wanted to say hi to you and welcome back. Thank you. And I saw you in concert a couple of months ago at yeah. the Sinbad Summerfest when Tina Marie pulled you out. Uh, where where were we? In um, the Universal Amphitheater. Oh, oh yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah. You. I mean, you took the show. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. you. Know, I want to ask you, had you not gone to prison, where do you think you would be at by now? Do you think you'd be sober? I, I don't think I'd be sober, Lena. I think uh, had I not gone to prison, 
I'd probably be dead now. I mean, that's what I was trying for. I was I was going for the big death. But why? You had it going on. Be, well, you know, that's really a long story. I mean, I had it. You might say I had it going along on the, on the outside, but on the inside, I, I was very lonely. I was very. Uh, um, my mother passed away four years ago. And she was suffering from cancer. I was. I was very. I was nervous. I was always. I was in fear. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fears, you know, and um, I couldn't put this drug down. I, I just. This drug had such a hold on me that I was not having fun with life, and uh, I OD three or four times, and yeah. I continue to use. Uh, the Rick James you saw out there on stage was a, a personification of, of of just an image. You know what was really going on inside me, and it was a terrible feeling. And I'm sure people out there that 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 use this drug know exactly what I'm saying. So I was not a happy camper, Lena. Uh, but you know, welcome back and thank keep you, on darling. Keeping on, you know, only the strong survive and. I'm looking forward to your next CD because... Well, come see us. We'll be at the Universal Amphitheater uh, November 12th. Don't look at me. I mean, I wouldn't mind going. I'm November just saying, 12th. I don't know when it is. Come, come see us. Yeah, I'm still trying to get tickets. But when is your album coming the out? The third... Wait a minute. He's going to be at the Universal Amphitheater the 13th. The 13th. 13th. Okay. Although, oh, Rick November. may go there uh, the 12th just to really get into the just scene. Just look at the building, Alina. Uh, <laughs> he likes you, to you, walk the stage a little. Buy, <laughs> you can buy the album. It's in the stores right now, Alina. Oh, you can is? buy it, right? It's called Urban Rhapsody. Urban Rhapsody. Does yes. it have a lot of your old stuff in it, or it's all new? It's all new, but it's all good. I'm sure it is. Yeah, darling. Well, Rick, take care and okay. keep on keeping on. And uh, Lena, look at it this way. In five years, it'll be old. And you'll have it in your collection, you exactly. see? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of his music in my collection right now. Matter of fact, my favorite song is um, Ghetto Life. Okay. <laughs> I kind of like that one, too. Yeah, that's my favorite. All right, well, come out and see him. I'm looking forward to it. All right, uh, pull your top up over your head. <laughs> Not now, but... Would that get your attention, Rick? <laughs> yeah, it would. I'll speak for Rick on this one. You know, listen, he's, he's given up uh, the crack, but he hasn't given up everything. Still likes a nice set of brass. Angel. Yeah. You're 16. I'm- I'm a bit confused about my sexuality. Like, I don't know. I've been with this guy for about a year, and that's kind of like going... Working the profanity into the um, description of the sexuality, please. Engineer Mike over there, if he has to stand up, he's going to kick some ass. That's his policy. He's like uh, he's like a mean dad. If he has to get up, uh, someone's not going to be able to sit down. It, it's... Sort of routine for the age to have a lot of confusion about one's identity, particularly if you've not had a stable upbringing, if there's been a lot of... Um, well, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, my boyfriend, because, I don't know, I'm going through a lot of uh, things with him, and that's, like, really tearing me apart, and I'm just... What thinking, kind of things? What do you mean? Well, I don't know. It's like he tells me one thing, and then he tells me something different, and... It's just totally confusing me, and I'm, like, in a world full of hurt, and I don't know whether I should just go lesbian. I don't know what I am. Well, you're, so you're just confused and hurt. Uh, yeah, but and don't, what's he telling you? Well, just like the other day, he told me, you know, I love you so much. I want to take care of you. I want to be with and you. And then he goes he out with another girl. for, like, a week. Right. Um, how, how old a guy is he? He's 19. Mm. We've been together for about a year. Mm, so he was 18, you were 15. Yeah. Yeah. He's suspect. Yeah. I don't know if I uh, really, uh, really trust that. Like an on and off thing. He'll call me and then he disappears. For like no, he doesn't. He does not love you. He does not. If somebody who loves somebody doesn't treat somebody like All that. All right, but you don't have to. Um, you don't have to abandon your sexuality and uh, you know jump ship. Yeah. Uh, because this guy's jerking well, you around. What, what happened in your family that you find this kind of abuse acceptable? What happened in my family? You want to do some gambling? Yeah. We should. Yeah. Oh, okay. Rick, you got uh, you got any money? 
You got a dollar? Yeah, you got to have a bet. dollar. I got a buck. Okay. Hold on a second, Angel. What are you going to bet? Well, here's what we do on this show, Rick. She was abused as a child. Ooh. See? <laughs> I'm good, huh? Rick knows. Uh, yeah, we're trying to... What we do on this show is we gamble on uh, not necessarily what's going on now, but the past. What led them? To this life. This is something you know and uh, your brother knows. I can already tell her, but go on. First hand. I know you can tell her, but can you make change for a 20? Yeah, I can. You can? You going to give me a 10? So usually that's a ploy. When I give the uh, when I give the uh, guest a, a twenty, they say they can't make change. They just give me a dollar because all the promotion I'm doing for uh, Urban Rhapsody, I'll give the you a dollar. new Rick James CD. Oh, Jesus nope. Christ! Keep, keep Look at that. I just got hundreds. Oh, what a life! Drew, give me a dollar. Don't sit there and watch poor Rick shuffling through his purse or whatever he's got <laughs> over there. Whatever it is, it works on you. Rick, I couldn't get away with that. Drew, come on, give me a dollar. I can't believe this, Drew. You sit there, you got a dollar, uh, burn a hole in your wallet, and poor Rick, a big celebrity over here, has got to be rifling through his personal goods. All right, thank you very much. Okay. All right, uh, we're, we're running late on time, so what we'll do is when we come back, we will, uh, we will finish our uh, gambling. She... Um, and uh, as I was saying, is uh, we gamble on the past. What yeah. happened? What kind of family did they come from? What kind of abuse did they suffer? What brought them to make the decisions that they're making today? Because uh, that's really I think what I the message guess. of the show is. I could guess. All right. Well, don't give it away. I will. Well, because Drew's some pretty formidable competition. Drew's good. I could tell. Yeah. And um, I'm no slouch myself, right? Hey, hey. I could see that. Okay. <laughs> Stop kissing ass now. <laughs> you know? All right. We'll be back with uh, Gambling with Rick after this. Okay. Game of War Fire Age is the first truly global online game. You can befriend, chat, help, and destroy people from all over the world in this real-time game of global conquest. And Game of War has built a sophisticated in-game chat translation feature, which has never been utilized in any other game. The chat feature can even translate another language's internet slang. Game of War. It's a war strategy game. And the chat allows you to build, well, love and hate relationships with other online players. Download the Game of War app now. You know you want to. So just go to DownloadGameOfWar.com and join the battle today. Finally, something we can dance to, Drew. <laughs> oh. See, it's always a song that uh, we have a lot of bands and uh, artists in here, and it's always the one they're talking about screwing around on that uh, turns into the uh, Isn't that... mega mega seller. Why is that? Um, okay. Well, most of the stuff people screw around with doesn't make any money. I think you only remember it when someone says that. But uh, maybe it's the fact that you're uh, not trying. It's like it's easier to get a date with a woman... If uh, if you don't have to go out with her, if you're not desperate, that's that's good. I agree with that. And music is so much a uh, uh, about a love uh, of music that that I could see if you're just having a good time with it instead of sitting there trying to uh, you know trying to force trying to grind something out, you'd be more successful. Ah, so Rick's back, and uh, he's back in love with his music, and uh, now he's got a message uh, to boot. 
And uh, he's going on, got, got a yeah. girlfriend. Got a he's girl going fiance. on a tour. He'll probably remember the entire tour. And I'll remember this. God bless you. And, and uh, come back anytime, by the way. Thank you. I'm I know you, uh, you live here in town, and yeah. uh, you got a message to uh, get out, and yeah. we talk to your target audience. we got uh, lots of people all around the country that mm -hmm. uh, are in that age group that need that talking to. Yeah. And uh, as your, um, as your uh, halfway houses and whatnot spring up around the country, uh, feel free to come back and Sober uh, living give, them a, right give them Sober a plug. Living. All right, when we left off, we're speaking to Angel. Angel is 16, and we're going to gamble a little about her. Now, she's with a guy. He's 19. They've been together for a year. He's a little bit abusive, or at least uh, maybe not physically abusive, but he's jerking her around a little bit, and she's thinking about lesbianism. Now, uh, you know the rules of the game, so, uh, Rick, would you like to go first? I say Angel, she was very young. Got involved. I'm not saying with with someone in in the family, but someone probably close to the family, an older man, friend of the families, sexually abused her for a long time. She never told. How old was she when it started? You think? I'd say she was four, okay. somewhere around there, really young. And she never told. She kept it to herself. And she's living with this. Secret. And she's suffering with it. And um. Uh, um, she's and she's dealing with it, and her I, and I think she's she does like being with the uh, women because it's probably a tender thing, maybe a controlling thing for her because she, you know maybe is that was part of it when she was quietly molesting when she this was young. Good, this is a good bet. Yeah. All right, solid. Yeah. Well, yeah, let me bad. tell you something. Um, Drew over here has done a lot of clinical research, read a lot of papers on this stuff, yeah. but Rick. I've lived it. Rick's probably been with several hundred of uh, of uh, angels. I mean, you've been with a lot of women who, who are, have the same. Who? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, sure. yeah. Really, be honest. Who have? The, yeah. Who's gone through the same story? Of course. And the, and and it was the same kind of scenario all the time. And I've I've I found. And and you know what? I this 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 whole concern. You know, she's probably so much more intelligent than and stronger than this guy she's with. Mm -hmm. You know, and and she's probably so much more beautiful inside. That she even really knows, you know, and uh, she just needs to just, to me, she just needs to grip. Well, you know, if she doesn't start working on this problem now, it, what she thinks is a problem will become a problem. Yeah. Right. And uh, her indulgence into women, uh, I mean, it will get greater. I mean, and that's not to say that's a bad thing. If, that, but if that's the way you really should be going, if God intended you to be a lesbian, that's fine. Make your bet. All right. Uh, put that on a card, Engineer Mike. I think there's a certain uh, retarded logic in that. But a lot of people turn to uh, you know gay relationship and lesbian relationship right. because they were sort of forced into it uh, because of uh, what was done. Oh, come on, you yeah, know what I'm talking but about. Yeah, I understand. It's a consequence, but it becomes a right. very etched. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll uh, make my bet. Um, too much MC Hammer. Oh, come on. Okay. Um, I'm going to just kiss a little Rick James ass there. I'm going with um, uh, dad abandoned the family. Okay. Uh, no sexual abuse, uh, but right. abandonment. All right. I'm going to go with uh, dad was uh, violent and uh, emotionally abusive, and uh, she ended up straying into the neighborhood. Some young adolescent maybe got around eight sexually abused her. Okay. Angel. Yeah. What's going on? Drew is exactly correct. Oh, the bastard. The clinician uh, beats the uh, road scholar. <laughs> the man who was on the streets uh, living it was That's beat out right. by the man who uh, read uh, uh, JAMA. 
All right, so... Uh, you see, Angel, how predictable that is. That's why we do the betting, is to try to... Tell us what happened. How easy it is to predict the past based well, on the behavior. Well, don't get present. cocky there. Let me find out exactly Yeah, you know what I mean? Just on. take the money, Doc. Damn. You <laughs> yeah. Want, right? hey, well, you know, it's this way. I won this money. Rick's on, pissed Doc. because Rick did about a... Uh, yeah, I just lost a buck, Angel. Plus, you did 15 minutes on it, too. <laughs> no, it was good. His bet was good. Well, he was pretty damn close. So, tell us a story, Angel. About what happened? Yeah. Um, I was about eight or nine. Oh, and, yeah, my, my dad was extremely abusive, still is, always has been. He's very temperamental, um, physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive. Um, I did kind of, like, stray away from my family at a very young age, and I started hanging out with older boys that were kind of friends of the family, and, yeah, they kind of uh, hey. molested me. Yeah, I'm going to give Rick a buck back. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I got that. a little bit of this. Yeah, you did. Thanks. <laughs> and... Uh, I got it just a, uh, you know, I grazed it, yeah, it myself. I, okay. And These are both mine. So you're eight years old, mm-hmm. and uh, you you got uh, sexually abused by some neighborhood boys. Right. And did you tell anybody? Um, not for about two years. Mm-hmm. But you did actually tell somebody eventually? Yeah, yeah eventually. Right. Uh, Rick, give Drew a quarterback. Come on. <laughs> no, you know what, Angel? You say you were eight, right? Yeah. A lot of times, and Doc, you might agree with me, a lot of times girls who go through that, it happens like a long time before that, and sometimes they call it blockout. Uh, they it, block it, those it, things out. Is, Angel, do you you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It, it, but it, but it is it is such a characteristic syndrome to have an abusive family system that they stray out yeah. of and become great targets of victimization around age eight to twelve. Right. But Rick's right on with that because Absolutely. that's what happens all the time. Right. The other thing is that they they had somebody overtly abused them sexually and they just blocked out the memory yeah. and that could happen too. And that's another way of becoming a good victim. Later. All right. I, I was abused yeah, when, I, when I was a kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you know firsthand how, how all this stuff works. I enjoyed it. She was an older woman, a friend of my mother's. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, but, that, but that's not uncommon yeah. either for kids to enjoy it. And that creates oh, I totally all, enjoyed but it. But that creates all kinds of conflict, too, and a funny feeling. Well, how old were you? I was, about eight, I was about eight or nine when this happened. My mother beat this woman up terribly, though, in front of me. It really made me pissed off. Really? Yeah. It was like, uh, uh, yeah. that was your meal ticket. Your mom <laughs> it was, was beating up. No, it was really my first true... Uh, sexual encounter, and she was an older woman. Were you having like, intercourse at that time? Well, we were, we were getting ready to. She, things were happening. <laughs> what, what were you doing? You were eight or nine? Standing. Yes. How old was she? She was in her 40s or something. Really? Yes. Eight or nine? You can't. And my mother came upstairs and, and just went ballistic, medieval on this woman. Really? Was and she, I was, like, really upset. Did she catch you guys making out or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's because this woman's supposed to be babysitting me. Right. Yeah, I mean, hey. Uh. She's, uh, Maybe I, that's why I was, I'm so confused. Huh? <laughs> it didn't help. <laughs> no, I guess it didn't. Boy, and, and that's why, uh, geez, Rick's getting into stuff at 8 or 9 that I didn't dream of at 18 or 19. So you're making out with your babies here. She's 40 years old. Did you, did I would you, say she was somewhere around there. Yeah. Was she like another mom in a way? She was a friend of my mother's, and she was babysitting me because I was sick. Right. Uh, and she just started to do a bunch of things that felt really good at the time. Wow, so yeah. it, this was, uh, this was uh, you know, now if this was a guy doing it to a girl, it, we would be outraged yeah, well, instead hey. of intrigued. Why, why not Why not be outraged because it happened? I don't understand this. Why not be outraged because it happened to me? Why not be outraged? Men get molested, too. See, I mean, it affected him, Adam. Even though you, Adam wishes it would have happened to him, but in reality, that wish would have resulted but in But let me explain. It's like very bad gas is a serious condition, Yeah. but it's still kind of funny. It, and it's <laughs> you know kind of fun, and it feels right. good. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I that's understand. That's my point. Now All you right. put it that way. Angel, 
Yes. All right, we got to wrap up with you uh, quick here because uh, we got to play a song from uh, okay. Rick. He's got to uh, get some money. Angel, you listen to the lyrics on this song, too, by the way. Okay. All right, so, Angel, you understand that what you're doing is basically acting out because somebody acted out on you a long time ago. Now it's your turn to act. Yeah. So you're on autopilot to, to some degree. You understand? And your job is to somehow get yourself uh, from autopilot onto manual so you can uh, you don't steer it into a mountain. Guy your age, stable relationship, let the relationship build first. Don't get involved physically with the guy. Make sure he's not a guy who sees you as a victim. And if it right. seems like a boring right. relationship, that's the right one. All right, Anne is going to kick my ass. Right, uh, cool. From Rick James off of uh, Urban Rhapsody, Never Say You Love Me. up now we are only a week away from blinds galore summer scorcher sale you can get 33 percent plus an extra 15 percent off everything it's crazy go to blindsgalore.com right now to get your free samples so you'll be ready when the sale starts that is august 4th tuesday august 4th it's already summer it's hot you need these blinds right now window coverings slash homes heating gain by up to 50 percent and you save up to 150 dollars on your energy bill that's right, Blinds.com. They are a pioneer of custom window treatments, and they've covered over 2 million windows, and they're growing fast. Don't bother with the stress going out to a store. Blinds Galore, do it all at your home. Just like we say, you don't need them to go anywhere. Expert customer service. The team is happy to walk you through the designing of your new custom blinds and shades. They're there to help you every step of the way. Whether you need more privacy, just want things darker so you can sleep in, or you want to cool down and save all that money on heating. 
Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know I sent you. That is BlindsGalore.com. All right. Uh, way out of time. Rick James, thank you very much. It thank was our pleasure. Me. Please come back again soon. Hey, I loved it. Tanya, I'll see you soon. This has been Loveline. The opinions expressed herein are certainly opinions. That's for sure. If you'd like a written transcript of today's program, you probably should have written it down yourself. And if you did, we'd like a copy. Loveline producer Ann Wilkins. This broadcast was copyright 